everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. So hi everyone and welcome to another saunter. I'm here with my dear friend Paul and we're going to talk a little bit about his journey through the whole challenge of addiction and he's got an incredible story to tell and I'm really excited to be here. We're here in his little bungalow with his very special friend, a little Jack Russell called Hetty. So, hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Great to be talking to you today. So, Paul, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and what was life like as a young person? Well, I grew up in um, just outside London, a place called Kingston upon Thames. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was quite good growing up. Um, I didn't see a lot of my dad, but I had, I had um, three elder brothers and two elder sisters. And being the youngest at that time, I was just smothered with love. And, oh. and yeah, I just remember it be, being so nice. Um, as I said, my dad wasn't there. He was, he was going in and out of prison at the time. Right. But I was so young, it didn't really, I didn't really notice it. Yeah. But all I know that, I loved being around my sisters and playing with my brothers. It was it was a good time Brilliant. in the early years. Yeah. Mm. So somewhere in your life, things started to go awry, didn't they? And you got sort of pulled into another culture. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It it kind of. Um, eventually, my dad did come out of prison, and I was being looked after by my mum and my elder sister, Maxine. And when my dad came out and I got to know him, he was an alcoholic and he was drinking. He was drinking a lot and he was hitting my mum. And, and so how old would you have been back then, Paul Dretton? I was around nine, okay. eight, eight yeah. or nine. I, wow. I, was, I was quite young. But I knew that every time I went to my elder sister, Maxine, he wouldn't touch me for some reason. But I didn't know that she was ill. She was very ill and I didn't know that and that's wow. why he never really hit me. But a lot of the time he was he was beating me really bad, mm. you know, a few times a week and and my mum was getting beaten a lot. And my mm. neighbours, they really sort of took me in and looked after me. Wow. But yeah, it was it was hard. And my my sister hen- ended up leaving the family home and going to live with my nan. Wow. This was Maxine. This was Maxine. Yeah. Incidentally, if you can hear licking, it's Hetty is taking <laughs> care of Paul's <laughs> hand washing yeah. at the moment. Give me a good wash. So, did, what happened to Maxine? Did she is she all right? Did she come through the illness? No, no, no. She she went to live with my nan, and because Maxine was always 
very small, very small. She had right. white hair and she oh. was only 21. But she had leukemia and I, I didn't know. No. I didn't know what it was at the time. And all I knew, I was angry because my dad came on the scene and, and my mum, in her wisdom, thought it would be good for Maxine to go and live with my, um, my grandparents. And I was out playing football one day and, and somebody said to me, you know, your, your mum wants you around, around a friend's house. And I went around there and she was... And it, she was just crying in a trance and I just fell on her lap crying. I didn't know what it was, but she told me that Maxine had died oh. from leukaemia. Yeah, she was 21. Wow, that, uh, that must have been a huge blow. It, it was, <coughs> it, it really, really affected me. And the thing that hurt the worst was the day of her funeral because my dad made sure that I couldn't go to the funeral and mm. I remember the hearse pulling up outside and I, I was sort of looking out the window and seeing the coffin and seeing oh. the cars and I thought my mate I, I just you know I was wise enough to know that my sister was in that box in that car wow and and I was just crying at the window I was just just besides myself I was in a, in a really bad way over it mm-hmm. and it, a, a couple of days later I decided to um do what my dad was doing I broke into his uh, Really? Drink cabinet. Wow. Yeah, and stole a bottle of gin. And that was my... That was the first time I took anything that kind of um, altered my mind. And that that really did the job. It just shut everything up. It closed everything off that was going, the pain. Wow. So Maxine had been your place of safety. Yeah. Really, hadn't she? Yeah. From the, you know, from the onslaught of your dad's. Yeah, yeah. Violence yeah. against you, so you, she's gone. Yeah. So, the alternative bottle of gin. The bottle of gin. Yeah. And what was the effect on you as a young person? Because you were only still a child. Really. Yeah. And you're filling yourself with. I was twelve now when when right. Maxine actually died, um, and there were parties going on around <clears> at that <throat> time. It was, you know, it was in the seventies. I was going to these parties and I was drinking and I was drinking just to to, to shut it all out, to close it all out. I just mm. didn't, I didn't want to think about it. And did, were you part of a culture at the parties with your friends and so on? Were they drinking as well? Was that typical? Yeah, we was all drinking. Mm. We was all we was all drinking. Um, it was it was just the thing that it was parties. You know, it didn't take us a lot to get drunk and we go home mm. and. You know that I remember once at a party, and I just I had a drink and I just it didn't do the job and I just couldn't stop crying about my sister and oh. yeah and I, I remember that well I was just really in a bad way. Mm. Yeah. And so tell us about what happened next. Was that kind of then part of a kind of slippery slope, or did you pull it together and get a job? How did it work from there? No, I, I, did, I didn't. It, it got worse. Right. It, it got worse. Um, the drinking, it, it started off at maybe it was once a weekend or once every couple of weekends. Mm. Um, but I started getting money when I could. I'd sometimes steal money off my mum, mm. from my mum's purse, to go and get a bottle of cider. Or, and I started drinking quite, quite a bit. I started drinking... But I also started smoking cannabis. And, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was around 
that was around a lot and I was smoking a lot of it. <coughs> Excuse me, I was smoking a lot of it. And I was I was liked so much. I think it was because of what was happen, happening to me. My friend's parents just wanted to look after me, but they yeah. were also selling cannabis. All right. So I was I was just getting it a lot of the time for nothing. So there was some care, but it was at a price as well, really, because you were becoming yeah. drawn into a culture of drug use. and Yeah. 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 And so how then things progressed? I know you said you spent some time in prison. What was going on there? Yeah. Um, yeah, so things progressed. And by this time, I was around... Um, 1718 and I was right. working on on um, demolition sites and all I remember was the the boss came up stop it sorry <laughs> I remember the boss coming up and giving me a little silver spoon from this thing he had around his neck right. and he said sniff that and I sniffed it and it was heroin wow. and the effect was amazing so literally instantly it was instantly and it just I felt that no one could touch me. I felt that I could talk to everybody. I was working harder. I had no fear. I was just... Um, it, it, it seemed that like then... magic. Yeah. It, it seemed like that was a solution to my problem. It, was, it, it just made me feel just so relaxed when all the time I was just without it. I was a mess. I was, and, I was, and so then you quickly developed a dependency or yeah almost immediately and so was that through smoking it or sniffing it or snorting it or um you... i started smoking it i started mm -hmm. smoking it um a friend came around and he was selling it mm. and before i know it he was giving giving me it all the time and i wasn't nobody explained to me about heroin mm. or what heroin does but I got a job in Nottingham and I went out to Nottingham and when I was there I thought I'd, I I had the flu or something and and I rang my friend and he said no you're going through withdrawals right. through heroin yeah. and it just made it worse I, I felt even worse but it was it was then so how long was that cycle from getting your hit to starting to withdraw um when you start to feel the yeah. negative symptoms, it usually heroin is only, is only temporary. It, it can then them days it would last up to a day, and by yeah. the same time the next day you, you need, you need some more. yeah you need more, and that's when I started stealing and, and stuff, yeah. um, and going in and out of prison. Then I went in, into prison for actually supplying it, which I'm really ashamed of today, but. That's that's where it took me to selling it. So and that's how the whole culture works, isn't it? Yeah. The the user ends up supplying because it's the only way they can make enough money to yeah score yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I spent a, I I just in and out of prison every year. I would I would I would come out, and I'd do exactly the same thing. But but so did you get clean in prison? Yeah. In the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be in prison and. Tried to convince myself that I'd, I'd when I leave here, when I get released, I was never going to do it again. Mm. But every time, it just it was just on my mind as soon as I I left prison, and I just just was back 
to square one uh, before the end of the day. For the really, first literally day. on release. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you were really trapped in a cycle that was yeah. you, there was no way out of that you could see. No. And did you try methods of getting clean ever, like detox and stuff? Well, I suppose you were detoxing in prison anyway, but yeah. did you try any recovery programs or anything? My brother, my brother Fred, he he was using heroin as well. He got he was in the same sort of circle, and one day he said that I'm going into detox. So I was really like, I thought, right, what I'll do? Because I couldn't go in the same time as him. So I thought, once he does his detox, then he's going into rehab, then I can go into detox. But unfortunately, he went into rehab. And I see him, and I, and I was, and he looked so well, he looked amazing. Mm. And I thought, you know, and he asked me if I had any heroin on the, on oh the day, and I was just, you know, and I so it kind of burst the whole bubble, really. Yeah, the that, illusion of being well. Yeah, and yet he was still using, or he still was, wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and and I I I said no, <clears throat> and and about three days later, I was walking down the road, and I, I and somebody come up to me and shook my hand and said, "I'm sorry, we're about your brother." And no, yeah, and I, no. I was, I just ignored it, and I said, no, "I don't know what you're talking about. I only seen him the other day." But I was on my way to my mum's, and as soon as my mum opened the door, I knew it was true. Oh, cool. and yeah, my brother died of a, oh. a heroin overdose. He was thirty-four, and he died in the in a I'm in so a flat. Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 that just um, it it just it I just, all I wanted to do after that was use even. The drug is so powerful and so addictive. I I had to use the same drug that killed him to go to his funeral, because otherwise oh, I'd have been boy. so ill. Yeah, it's brutal. It's horrible. It's it's a killer. It's it's killed so many people. Wow. Yeah. So, how did you get off heroin? What was the process there? Um. In. 1998 um, I was in prison I, I was serving a four year sentence for knowingly concerning the supply mm. and I, I did treatment in there and I, I and when I left the prison between going from there to the treatment centre I was using again wow. but I managed my yeah i just come out of prison and my mum passed away and that was it was then that I decided that I didn't all the ones that I really loved I was really sort of dependent on that in a way had gone mm. so it I decided to leave London and I decided to leave Kingston and, and then I went through treatment I went through primary treatment and then I came down to Weymouth to do a secondary stage and Carlton Road Carlton Road yeah yeah I was there I, I completed that, and unfortunately, this was in um, 20, 2001, right. and, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't, I didn't make it, I didn't um, stay clean, and I ended up using, um, for quite a while down here, down in Weymouth, um, and then I got clean again, 
and um, and then in 2009 I got married. I got married to you know my ex-wife, and mm. as you know, ex being that we're not together anymore. Yeah. And um, was yeah. she part of that culture, or was she sort of separate? Was she? She was separate. Yeah. So she wasn't using or anything like that. No, no. So she realized, I guess, at some point that she'd married someone who was in the grip of something. Yeah. Yeah, the thing with addiction is that, you know, even if you're not using heroin, you're going to be acting out in some kind of way. And it became... I was, I was lying to her. I was... I I started having a drink now and then. And and I'd go home and she'll know and I'd lie to her. And once the lie started, I had to lie again to cover up lies. And mm -hmm. it, it just became a mess and... Because when you start lying to someone, you're pushing them outside of your life, really, aren't you? You're yeah. saying, <clears throat> I'm not going to share the real truth with you. I'm not going to share really who I am. I'm yeah. going to push you out and kind yeah. of kid myself that you've bought the lies. That Yeah. yeah. That was really tough. So that brought that to an end, really. Yeah, the marriage... The marriage ended, um, and I really don't blame her at all because mm. of the way I, my, you know, as I say, I was lying, and I was stealing. Mm. I was um, that become, an a, a part of my addiction was going out and stealing. Um, it was just a, a complete, a complete mess. Um, mm. The addiction, yeah, it would yeah. come out in any ways. Wow, cool. Mm. Yeah. So bring us a bit closer to up to date so you you were in Weymouth now and you were really still in this cycle but you'd added a few more things into it like a broken marriage and yeah a son yeah my son yeah yeah, yeah my see a joy is yeah my bundle of joy yeah 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 he was he was born in in 2004 before I was married um when I was I was clean I think I was clean for about three years in right um and even though I I had relapsed after he was born, <clears throat> our relationship was really good, and and yeah. uh, uh, his mum would always let me go and see him. So he's good. he's really important in my life today. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And then I met you when we when you started a course called Fresh Start that I was part of the yeah. team that was delivering. Tell, mm. tell, tell us a bit about that, because you weren't there to deal with heroin, were you, as far as I'm aware? No. Fresh Start was brilliant, because it it, <coughs> it started with me going to the food bank. Right. And I'm, I met... And I'm that was at, at the Baptist Church? That was at the Weymouth Bat Baptist Church. Yeah. And, and I met the pastor, and... Um, pastor this, Pete? Pastor Pete, Great yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the same day... Um, he said, oh, you might want to meet Claire, and Claire Atkins from Fantastic. Um, Cap came yeah. over and started speaking to me, yeah. and, and she spoke about this um, this group called mm. the Fresh Start Group, which um, I was interested in. Uh, I knew that I've, I've got to do something, and this came up just at the right, the perfect time. And, um, yeah, and I went on it, and it was absolutely amazing. I remember you being very honest and vulnerable yeah. and sharing real deep stuff from your heart which was very yeah. moving for I think everyone in the group and also quite helpful because it 
once somebody's willing to go there, others open up, don't they? And yeah. Yeah. Do you think openness is a real key, sort of honesty is a real key to recovery, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. Completely. I mean, in, in when they do the 12 steps in Narcotics Anonymous, it's, it's all about honesty and it's mm. all about trust and faith. Admitting to yourself. Yeah. Then, obviously, that kind of cascades outwards into your yeah. other relationships, doesn't it? Yeah. So... You'd met Pastor Pete, really liked him. You'd met yeah. Claire, really liked her. You'd started coming to Fresh Start. Yeah. At what point did you start to do any kind of business with Jesus? Um, before I started the Fresh, the Fresh right. Start. Um, because every, everybody that I met in the church would always say, do you want to pray? Mm, and, and right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're kind of, kind of... Bringing the agenda up, whether yeah. you're interested. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I was ready to pray. I, I was. Yeah. I was just. I. I knew that, and I've always knew that. I. I just needed to do this. I Do you say pray. it would be true to say you'd come to the end of yourself, and you didn't have any answers left up your sleeve, or any self reliance left? You were just gonna pray, and was <laughs> there was left really? Yeah, I was getting to the age now where. Uh, you know, if I'd have carried on using, I would have died. Mm. Um, but I was also wanting to live, and now, now that I've found this, I just wanted to recover. I just wanted to stay recovered, um, get a quality of life together, mm. and um, yeah. And so all these people down at the Baptist church were praying for you and yeah. getting you to pray and stuff, and yeah. you're thinking something's starting to stick is it or is that how it felt like something is you're starting to kind of get drawn into this other culture yeah the first day the first day that i went into church and i met two people two women on the, the food bank mm. it just i just knew that I, I just wanted some of what they had wow and i just felt so comf comfortable around them and i call it the holy spirit i yeah. just felt felt just felt so at ease and I just knew that this is where I wanted to be so good yeah and so was there a time where you specifically said okay Jesus here I am handing it over to you now yeah yeah I was praying a lot Paul and I was praying because I was left so ill from years and years of using that I was just praying and I was I was asking God just to carry me through this just mm -hmm. so I I was always praying for more years of my son, quality years right. of my son, yeah. and just, you know, time to change. I, I want to change. Because the addiction just comes and steals all of that, doesn't it? Yeah. It robs everything that's precious yeah. to you. And yeah. It's like having a burglar in your house, but you're making him cups of tea while he's robbing you of all your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I remember... Uh, you so then we went into lockdown, didn't we? Yeah. Um, probably was that a bit after we finished that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what was going on there? Because you were in a very difficult place yeah. there, weren't you? I had. Well, I was living in. Um, I was living in King Street, and I was finding it very hard to stay clean because the people below me were using. In I was living in a big sort of yeah. shed house with yeah. little flats in there in 
people using living below me, above me, and behind me. Right, and literally then, immersed in the culture. Yeah, yeah. And and lockdown was here, and they were just coming into my flat, and and I I got so weak in the end, I I I let, allowed them into the flat. Right. And I found myself. I started to pick up again. But you were using prescription drugs, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So benzo. Yeah, benzo yeah. the diazepam. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is a bad one to get off, isn't it? Oh my god, that was horrible. The, I didn't I'm I'm still struggling with it a bit today. It it just it it wrecked me. It wrecked my whole body, it wrecked my mind. Um so this is something you can get on prescription from the yeah, doctor. Yeah. But it will end up if you... Uh, it's, it's addictive, isn't it? It's addictive. And it will end up kind of controlling your whole life if you... you, know, if you... It's so addictive that it, it you, you can't... It's such a, a mental drug that without it, your mind just goes and you and with the cravings that mm. you just, just want to get more and more and more and the, the more that you take it, the more you have to take mm. because it just, the dependency it builds up you just need to take more and more yeah. and more and and people were getting it over the internet right? even it. during lockdown and yeah. it's all still going on Yeah. so then Ian from Fresh Start was coming to visit you through lockdown yeah. and supporting you. Really yeah. amazing guy. Ian, Ian was amazing I, because after all that, I had a break. I had a breakdown. I really broke down, and I tried to end my life, mm. and and I failed, and and then I couldn't eat, and I couldn't eat for ten days. But Ian would come round almost every day. Amazing, uh, amazing, and, and he. He'll get me in his car and and he'll take me along and you know even if he wasn't doing anything, just that company sitting in yeah. the car with him, and he'd give me like a little tablet thing, you know, the things, um, pads, iPad, yeah. and I'd I'd, well, I'd watch something um, like a sermon or something yeah. like that. It just brilliant, yeah, and it just lifted you a bit. It, yeah, Ian. Yeah. Ian really helped me. I didn't eat for 10 days and Ian would go out and he would try and get me to eat. He'd buy burgers from McDonald's. and love him. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah. And no, I slowly he's such began a good... to eat. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you able to tell us about that time, the time when you tried to take your life and yeah. you had I... a phone call? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I know it's a very personal story. And you don't have to. No, no, no. I'd love to because it's an amazing story. Um, I tried to. It was. It was when I had the breakdown. And I just tried to end my life. I. I put a noose around my neck and stepped off the stairs. And um, when I done it, I cried out. I cried out my son's name, mm. and I cried out for God for, to forgive me. Bless you. And I was hanging there, and I really thought I'd done it. This was mm-hmm. it, and the rope broke, and mm. um, I just fell on my bed. I went in. I fell on my bed. I went to the bedroom, and I was crying. And I was thinking of uh, another way. What can I do next? I was thinking of right. taking Let's pills. Make it work. Yeah. yeah, but I heard a voice. I heard a, a I heard a voice, and it was a female voice, and. 
the first thing I thought was I've really lost my mind now. I'm right. hearing voices. Mm. But he kept on going. Uh, my name was being called, and and I looked down at my phone, and I mean, people who know me, they know that I'm no good at Zoom, <laughs> right. making phone like face calls, yeah. the internet. I'm just no good at it at all. Right. But there was my friend Jenny from the, from who was on Fresh Start, yeah. yeah. And so I see her, and I picked up my phone, and I and I said, "Oh, I'm sorry, Jenny. I I didn't hear you call." And she said, Paul, I didn't call you, you called me. And I didn't touch that phone. That is such an amazing yeah. story. I didn't. I... And of all the people who could call you at the darkest hour of your life, Was Jenny you? would be the best one, wouldn't she? Absolutely. Or one of the best ones you could pick, really. Yeah. yeah. What an incredible story. I know. So, so God seems to have been working even in that. Somehow he, yeah, made arranged for you to be talking to Jenny. It's a miracle. I I, I, I I couldn't share this with anybody because, like, I wouldn't, yeah, I'd only share it with people in church because I love it. no one else no, would we believe get it. it. We get it. We, I think that's the yeah. whole point, isn't it, that God is a God of miracles. And yeah. That's incredible. And I remember coming round once because you put a thing up. We have a, uh, a group chat, don't we, on Fresh Start, and you put something up, you, what, 10 o'clock one night you were in a terrible state you thought you were going to die mm. and I came round yeah only time really came round to your house because I thought someone needs to respond and you you didn't think you were going to make it through did you that night no and that was that was with withdrawals from the benzos yeah yeah that was it was horrific wow. it was once I'd only just started cutting down then mm. and it was at the beginning of the withdrawals because it's quite a delicate process isn't it yeah. coming up you have to taper it yeah and, yeah yeah and i was just at the start of it and that was that was bad enough and that night i did think that i was going to die i really just my mind had gone um i was as you know i was crying i was crying i was writing a goodbye letter sweating. to my son yeah. sweating yeah but then you came through that process with a lot of support from people like Ian. Yeah. And then tell us about this place, because this was quite a key, wasn't it, in terms of your recovery, would you say? Get, this, get in this house? Absolutely. Christian Against Poverty, Cap, I've yeah. just got, I can't praise them enough. Um, they just worked miracles in my life. Because they're the organisation behind Fresh Star, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so go on. Yeah, Tracy, who, who works. Yeah. yeah. She, she she'd asked me all the time, Paul, do you mind if I get in touch with your doctor and speak to your doctor? Mm. Do you mind if I <clears throat> um ring the council offices and, and you know, she so she asked for my permission and all these Perfect, things and of yeah. course I gave them. Mm -hmm. And um it was just after Janine's I came back from Janine's. And I came back to the flat and I was there for two weeks and then I got a phone call and they said that, um, you know, we're, we're happy to tell you that we've got Bungler for you. And it was just, yeah, it was brilliant. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. And so you've moved, you moved in, you started acquiring furniture, partly through CAP. Yeah. Church. Yeah. People just find giving you stuff like a sofa and armchair. Yeah, everything. And 
and you've been taking care of your neighbour's garden, helping yeah. her out. Yeah, I look after Angie <laughs> next door, yeah. I've so done her good. garden, yeah. Yeah. And, and just seeing the pictures coming up on the group chat of how your life has started to take shape mm. has just been so inspiring for me. Yeah, it's... I just didn't think it'd be possible. I really didn't believe that I'd be living in a bungalow. I'll be, you know, I'd have even have the energy to do my next door neighbour's garden. I just didn't see that, mm. and and it's just it, it just it gets better and better. Love it. You know, I I that I didn't have a clue what was going to happen when I became a Christian. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't. But what I found is that everybody has been so so helpful so loving fantastic. so caring yeah it's it's fantastic such it's a good story and you've been discovering your own relationship with the holy spirit haven't you and discovering his power in situations yeah kicking in yeah yeah i was given uh i was given the bible my friend janine bought me a bible for christmas and um christians against poverty given the new testament so it was locked down so i had no excuses not to read it <laughs> So yeah, I was reading it, and 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 of course I was praying. I was praying a lot, and yeah, it just my my prayers have been answered. Yeah, you know, it just gets gets better. It's the best decision. Tell us about that. Just what? Just wrap up that story you, you were saying the other day about where you felt really weak, and you're out walking with the dog. Yeah, and you, what what was happening there? Right, I was I was out walking <laughs> hay and. I, I just just felt it was one of the days where I felt that my legs were lumps of concrete and I had I had no energy and I was taking her for a walk and I knew that I had to walk her for a little bit and I just put my hands together no one was around I was in the park and I said please God can you fill me with the Holy Spirit and and I I started laughing and I and I said. Uh, Oh, that was quick because almost <laughs> immediately I felt nice. Come I on, just felt that my whole body was light. Even wow. even Hetty, the dog started running around. It was just amazing. Wow. It was an amazing experience. Beautiful. And I had to share it because it was just That's so it, good. It was so quick. Yeah, yeah. You know what the Bible says? It says if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead or raised yeah. Christ from the dead dwells in you he will quicken will give life to your mortal body your physical body right. so he's actually like injected life into you which yeah. is what he's promised to do amazing isn't it it's yeah yeah it is <laughs> it is it's just oh yeah wow i love it paul thank you so much for sharing i'm sure it's been going to be very inspiring for a lot of people and I pray that God blesses you and continues to empower you by the Holy Spirit to continue on in this lovely freedom that you're enjoying and the blessing of God and it just be on you and your son and on every relationship in your life. And bless little Hetty too. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. You're very welcome. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how 
the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page and my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.